What you are about to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Here's what the new CEO of Twitter must know and believe. Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's gonna take a man of God to leave Twitter. I hope Elon Musk recognizes that. Stay tuned, Royce White is going to join us next. Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck radio program. Royce White is going to join us. Royce White was a first-round pick in the NBA about a decade ago. Played at Iowa State. Great basketball player. Got into a dispute uh, with the NFL over some mental health issues. Now plays in the Big Three. He's an MMA fighter. He's one of the most outspoken voices in the political space. He ran against Elon Omar in uh, Minneapolis uh, for a seat in the House, I believe. Uh, he is a contributor to Fearless, my show, Fearless with Jason Whitlock. He's been mentored and is friends with Steve Bannon, goes on the war room all the time. Royce is one of the brightest, most provocative speakers I think we have on the conservative side of things. I, I hate, I'm a little bit reluctant to even call Royce a conservative. Royce is just, <laughs> he's America first all the way. Royce, welcome to the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Wanted your thoughts on Elon Musk potentially stepping aside as CEO of Twitter. You were always a little skeptical about his leadership of Twitter. Uh, what do you think today? Well, thanks for having me on the show, Jason. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I, I think that there is much more to a guy like Elon Musk than meets the surface. Um, I think that's a given. The um, amount of things that he's involved in, as I've stressed on the show with you uh, on Fearless, um, given given what I know about the way our government operates, given what I know about the way that our intelligence community operates, I'm even more skeptical of a guy who is so, whose business is so connected to two nuclear superpowers. So, um, and, and, it, and he has a personal life as well. So all of those things are, are at work with Elon. And uh, I, I can't say exactly why he would be stepping down. Um, although I would be somewhat uh, concerned that somebody may have some leverage on him, or there may be some way that the, the Twitter um, bylaws are structured uh, that that's forcing him to do so. Do you think, do you have confidence in the person he'll pick to replace him? Or, 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 or do you think we're just going to revert back to the old status quo as it relates to Twitter? 
I think the mold has been broken on Twitter, uh, and, and I think Elon has done a great job of breaking the mold and uncovering a lot of the things that Twitter was doing behind the scenes uh, with, with banning people, shadow banning people, uh, you know, the, the way that they influenced the election in 2020. So I don't, I don't think that Twitter could ever go back in the other direction unless the ownership actually changed. Uh, so, so, you know, and, and, you know, time will tell, though. You know, my, my, I have a vote of confidence that Twitter will continue to uh, come out of this, this sort of censorship type of mold. Um, but, but I'm still watching. Uh, I'm watching with, uh, with great, in, with great uh, attention. Right. You know, when you talk about the mold being broken, obviously I think that takes us to a conversation or takes my thoughts to Donald Trump. And what he started in 2015 and 16, and 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 maybe there's more progress being made than a cynic or someone uh, like me is giving credit for, because I do think that Donald Trump inspired a a Ron DeSantis in Florida. I think Donald Trump inspired. Uh, Elon Musk to involve himself in Twitter. And then last week, I, I saw, I don't know if you saw this, Royce, but Tucker Carlson did a 10 to 15 minute monologue mm. on the CIA's role in the assassination <laughs> of JFK. And, and yeah, and to see this on the most powerful cable news show on TV, and it's like, wow. Tucker Carlson is talking about the CIA and the plot and, and the not the plot, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And, and it's like, wow, maybe the lid is coming off and the scales are coming off people's eyes and the blind are starting to see and conversations that have needed to take place are finally happening. Did you catch this? with Tucker and, and, and think it was as significant as I did? Absolutely. I mean, I was, I was just floored. Um, and I like Tucker and I think he does a great job on a lot of things, but I think Fox news overall as a, as a institution, uh, told the line on, on a number of issues and, and the security state, uh, or the military industrial complex is, is one of those issues for sure. Um, you know, I, I think also to, to circle back on what you were saying is, you know, Donald Trump's Donald Trump's impact on this country at moment is unquantifiable, um, and and that has that 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 is not a, an affirmation of any and everything that he said and done or continues to do because many of us have a rightful uh, gripe with with much of the way that he goes about some of these things, even from a political strategy standpoint, but. Um, Courage is contagious, and we also had to go back before uh, Trump and, and acknowledge the Tea Party and, and some of the other conservative yeah. movements that, that that came before him and laid the groundwork for him. But he was a high point, and and the things that he decided to to run on were uh, reoriented the entire political landscape for the conservative movement. Um, and, and with that said. Uh, the the real stone to still be unturned here is the the level and depth of corruption within our administrative state and the intelligence community, and I think we have to go right back to JFK where where we let this thing get, you know, way out of hand. I mean that, that we should have never allowed that to happen, right? I mean you know the the boomers, in my opinion, are frozen in front of their TVs 
uh, on the day JFK was assassinated because, you know, for the intelligence communities to have a hand or, or the, the many forces to have a hand in, in you know, killing our president in, in such a, you know, blatant manner, um, it, it's, it reverberates throughout time. And it's continued to this day. People still in D.C., and, and, you know, all throughout the country that our elected officials or, or whatever fear speaking truth to, to power because of an incident like that. So let's go even a step further, because this is connected to uh, Elon Musk and the, the FBI, Department of Justice, the, the government. And 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 so it actually starts with Dwight Eisenhower on his way out the door telling us, hey, be fearful, be leery of this military industrial complex and it overtaking America. And then the president that follows him is assassinated. And it seems quite clear that the CIA played a role in that. And now the release of the Twitter files with Elon Musk showing you beyond a reasonable doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt that our government has overtaken Twitter and used it as a propaganda tool for the vaccines, for uh, shenanigans and mischief and the fortifying of elections. And it's, it's really only a blind man can't see that something happened with JFK and the military and the the FBI and these other agencies, they're actually the shadow government of the United States. One one hundred percent. I mean, you know, you could you could argue that the assassination of JFK marked the advent of the modern day Uniparty. And and so, you know, for that for that amount of time uh, the Uniparty has been in control, and the Uniparty is is a you know a, a hand, a hand or a tool for the the shadow government, and and that, you know that's just my opinion, and and I think that we as common day American citizens live our lives, we try and take care of our families and reach our goals, work our job, deal with our health issues, or whatever the case may be, whatever it is that we have to deal with on a daily basis, we don't understand the the breadth of this intelligence community and and their ambitions and their arrogance and what it is they think they can impact and how efficient they are at doing so and how efficient they've shown themselves to be on a number of occasions. I think another huge inflection point um, of of this sort of dynamic was 9-11 and the, the amount of freedoms that we handed over with the Patriot Act to fight radical Islam uh, is is absolutely un-American in every sense. Um, and, and so you got JFK there. We let that slide. And then we had some, some things going with the Bushes and, uh, I mean, you know, with Bush Sr. And, and, and other people along the way. And then 9-11 was the real, was the real tipping point. And, and we said, hey, we're so afraid of radical Islam. Whatever the CIA or NSA need to do to protect us, then let it be. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know why anybody would be shocked that, that, you know, the CIA or FBI is mingling in, in Twitter. What we need to be concerned about is what else they're in, because it's certainly not Twitter alone. Royce, give me a minute. Stick with me. I want to follow up next. Jason Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck, joined on the phone by Royce White. 
Royce, we've spelled out the problem, the intelligence community, the military involved shadow government. What's the solution? How how do we fix this? I'm arguing that we're going to have to be uncompromising in our demand that whoever we support in a leadership position needs to have some kind of biblical, religious, Christian foundation. What's the solution? Um, well, you know, I'm a Christian, so obviously the, the, the Christian orientation is, is priority number one. Uh, I think from a practical standpoint and a political standpoint, we have to shrink the government down. The, the government is is a, a monstrosity, you know, that, that it was never supposed to be. And I think it starts with our taxes. And to circle back to Donald Trump and, and the path that was laid for him by the Tea Party, we have to go back and address that. I mean, I think, you know, given what our federal government has done and the, the, the national debt that's been run up and the reckless spending that's continued to happen, uh, there should have been a tax revolt in this country uh, a, a, little, a little while back. Um, actually, if, if you want to get technical, I think if you look at where taxes began at 2%, the taxes are the actual way that the government justifies a perpetual expansion. I mean, we started at 2%, we're now at 50. And there were people, when it started at 2%, there were people who said, this is, this is unconstitutional, this is wrong. Uh, and, and I only bring that up to, to further that the intelligence communities and the administrative state has been allowed to, to swell and grow to this unmanageable place because of the taxes and the tax system. And, and so we have to, as citizens, decide um, that, that the prosperity of the convenience that comes from having such a big government uh, is not worth the rights that they infringe upon in the way that they currently are built. So we have to shrink the government down. I mean, we just have to take, a, take an axe to the government. We have to uh, give this budget and, and the spending a dramatic haircut. Uh, we have to get control of the Fed. Uh, all of those things need to happen. And I think a, a president that, that has a biblical worldview could do that. Um, but I also think the Christian community in our country uh, has to has to step up as well. And I told you on the show the other day, um, I see a lot of people who have sold out across the country, but none more than our Christian community. And I don't say that to be, you know, flippant or, or overly critical, but it really does seem to me that the 501c3 tax exempt status that has uh, been, been taken uh, by many Christian institutions um, undermines the the biblical message, and and it is a form of selling out. And when when Jesus said, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar, so you can give to God what is God, I think that that parable uh, applies to the tax exempt status when we look at it, you know, ex post facto. So, you know, that should stop happening as well. You know, churches need to stop taking five hundred one c three tax exempt statuses so they can speak truth to power and, and tell their their uh, congregations. Uh, where they stand on these political issues. I, I, I wonder, and this is the cynic, the skeptic in me, and I work on that all the time, not to be as cynical, but have we gone so far that there's a great majority of people that won't allow us to reverse course? Have we lost so many people to a secular worldview that 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 they because i'm not even demanding that the secular 
adopt my worldview. I'm just asking them to accept the fact that when uh, a Judeo-Christian culture was more pervasive, things were better, more fair, less chaotic. The country actually worked for everyone, even non-believers. I just want them to accept that, but I'm just wondering, have we put so many people on the government tit that we now can't reverse course and get people off of it? Uh, well, let us hope not. Let us pray not. Um, it, it would seem that way, but I, I, I continue to have faith in the power of the Word of God, and I think that people who genuinely pick up the gospel and, and uh, you know, go out and, and spread a ministry of truth wherever it need be um, can have that impact and influence on people. I, I think we've just abnegated that responsibility as, as Christians in large part across the country. Um, you know, we've, we've sort of stayed to ourselves and, and in staying to ourselves, we, we, we stayed in, in a little box that we were placed in by a government who we've sort of, you know, sold out to. So, uh, I think it can be done. Uh, I think there needs to be a real Christian, uh, or let's even extend it to God, a, a God-fearing renaissance in this country right now, like yesterday. Uh, and there are a lot of people who will, will not want us to, re, you know, change course and go back the other way. Um, but but a, a part of that is a lot of them don't even know any better. I mean, it doesn't take too many generations for people not to even understand what, why a secular worldview is a problem. And, and if you want to look at it from that standpoint, the, you know, the, the, the secularism in our society has been growing for longer than most people can even account for, uh, you know, all the way back to the, you know, the post-Enlightenment, uh, you know, the sort of scientific method. I always say the four heresies of the West were the scientific method, democracy, computer technology, and in and, and the future it'll be artificial intelligence. But all of it was a way to try and bridge a gap uh, between man and God where man becomes God, uh, or, or man can deal with the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the unknown. Right, that anxiety, that that despair that comes with the unknown of not being God, it it'll never work. And this is why you see many of these people who are secular. You know, your Yuval Noah Harari and all these other you know sort of Judeo Buddhist kind of hybrid new new uh, original morality folks. Uh, they it always falls short, and it, it reduces down to them trying to eliminate all the suffering in the world. And boys, we gotta go. Thank you so much. Great job. That's Royce White. Check him out on Fearless with Jason Whitlock. The Glenn Beck Program. Jason Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Happy Monday. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Glenn Beck. Offering you your first Christmas present of the season. Jason Whitlock filling in. There will be other Christmas presents over these next two weeks as Glenn takes a well-deserved break. I'm glad to have today and tomorrow with you. Today we've been talking about Elon Musk and potentially him stepping aside as the CEO of Twitter. He's not talking about selling. He's just talking about stepping aside as as the CEO. Uh, I am offering up myself as a candidate to replace Glenn Beck as the CEO, not Glenn Beck, uh, Elon Musk 
as the CEO of Twitter. And and I want to, before we get out of here, we're in the final 30 minutes of the show. I, w- I want to go over again why someone like me and why Twitter needs an editor. And it, it, it it's had engineers, it's had code builders, it's had these geeks and nerds from Silicon Valley, but it, 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 it's but it hasn't had a journalist. And and there are a lot of pretend journalists now. They haven't been working for Twitter, but there are a lot of pretend journalists at the New York Times and all all over TV. But but these are not people who are actual true journalists, people that have a willingness to speak truth to power. Take someone like and this will sound like a contradiction. But when I start talking about a journalist, I'm talking about Glenn Greenwald. And yes, I know that Glenn Greenwald is married to a man. And and yes, I'm, you know, not on board with that. But Glenn Greenwald is a journalist committed to truth. He follows the truth wherever it leads. He's not beholden to any political party any political ideology. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Glenn Greenwald as a journalist. He inspires me. I say that without any regret, shame or whatever. That guy inspires me as a journalist. That's the kind of leadership Twitter needs. Matt Taibbi, another tremendous journalist, not beholden to any political party or any political ideology and agenda. People uh, mistakenly, or no, 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 I, I don't even want to deal with that. I'm a journalist, and I know I've been in the sports and in the kitty lane, but I always delved into the other stuff. And that's why Rush Limbaugh was always talking about me, and that's why I used to be a guest on CNN and MSNBC all before they kick people like me off the air. You can't have legitimate biblical views and be on air with them. But but I've always been in both worlds, a cultural critic, a journalist that covers culture and sports. And I don't want to be liked. And it's not that I, I, I don't want to be hated. But in this world, as crazy as it is and as satanic as it is, I actually enjoy being disliked. It's a sign that I'm on the right side of God. See, many people, many pretend journalists want to be on the right side of history. I don't want to be on the right side of history because history is written by whoever is in power at that time. History is written by man. God's truth is written in the Bible. I want to be on the right side of that. And therefore, I don't care about politicians. I don't care about being having Republicans or Democrats like me. I don't care about being popular. I have no problem telling powerful people, miss me with that BS. I don't care about being persecuted. And actually, and as I said earlier, I would enjoy it. It would be a sign that I'm actually walking with God. 
if I am persecuted, if I am jailed, if I am killed. I would see it as a sign. Yep, I'm doing the right thing. Thank you. I'll see you on the other side, maybe if you make it. Twitter needs an editor, a journalist at the top, setting directions, explaining its decisions. Twitter needs someone to say, when someone like LeBron James tweets out, you're next at a law enforcement official that saved a woman's life by shooting and killing a 16-year-old woman that was trying to stab and kill another woman. When LeBron James tweets out, you're next, Twitter needs an editor to say, hey, man, that's way across the line. We're suspending you for two weeks. Go sit down and shut up somewhere. I'm not denying LeBron James his free speech. Tweet can stay up, but he will have to stand down for two weeks. And if he does it again, his next suspension will be three weeks. Because that's what happens in journalism. You get busted playing loose and fast with the truth or, or, or with quotes or with facts. There's discipline handed out, or there used to be, back when the media was healthy. We need that. And so when people have a tendency, when your account is dedicated to ad hominem attacks, and all you do is sit out, um, all you do is send out memes calling someone an Uncle Tom or a coon or something like that, Twitter needs someone to say, hey, look, man, this is an account that's not actually contributing to public discourse. It's just trolling people with name calling. We're going to sit this person down for a week and let him think about it. Because Twitter needs for people to pause and think for a minute before tweeting. That would improve Twitter. Twitter needs an editor. Like if people want to uh, tweet out, oh, my God, a black man can't walk around here in America without being killed the way uh, Eric Garner was killed or the way uh, St. George Floyd was killed. Twitter needs an editor that will write a note that will be slapped at the bottom of all these tweets that say, hey, look, data does not support this. There is no genocide against black men being executed by cops. In fact, the data actually suggests, based on the number of engagement, police are more likely to turn violent and draw their guns and shoot a white person than a black man. That's statistically true based on the number of engagement. Again, if you live in a high crime area, you live in a zip code that's high crime, your likelihood of engaging with the police multiply. If you live out in suburbia, in less densely populated areas, you're less likely to engage with law enforcement. And so therefore, based on the number of times engaging, police brutality, police violence, police murder is actually going down and is an aberration. It's not some kind of pandemic where, oh, the police are executing a plot to kill black men. Those kind of lies exist over Twitter unrefuted people were allowed like Sean King and DeRay McKesson were allowed to build massive followings promoting these types of lies 
And if there had been a disclaimer put at the bottom of their tweets about how far-fetched and stupid and emotional these tweets are, this whole movement would have never caught steam the way that it did. The Twitter allowed pr the promotion of violence and the summer of 2020 violence. They, all the things they accused Trump of doing on January 6th, the left and Twitter actually did. They allowed for misinformation about the police to be pervasive throughout Twitter and justified violence, chaos, and anarchy across America. Everything they accuse evangelical conservatives or political conservatives of doing is actually what they were doing and are doing. They promoted violence and death and anarchy and tried to overthrow this government and seize power through that violence. They did that with Antifa and Black Lives Matter as their soldiers and Twitter as their minister of information. If you had an editor who was putting disclaimers saying, man, this Sean King dude, he's pretending to be black. Here's his birth certificate. Here's a picture of his white daddy who he looks just like. This would have never happened. So an editor just mixing in facts with the lies and misinformation that are popularized and made pervasive over Twitter would improve Twitter dramatically and stopping the ad hominem attacks would improve the public discourse over Twitter greatly. Twitter needs an editor. The perfect editor is Jason Whitlock. I'll have some final thoughts when we come back. The Glenn Back Program. Final segment of the show, Jason Whitlock filling in for Glenn Beck. I'm dead serious about wanting to run Twitter. I need you right now to hop on Twitter and tweet at me, Whitlock, at Whitlock Jason. I want you to copy Elon Musk. You guys know how to spell Elon Musk. It's pretty easy. At Elon Musk. I need... By the way, my name is W-H-I-T-L-O-C-K. At Whitlock Jason, at Elon Musk. Tell Elon Musk he needs me, an editor, to run Twitter. I've got the backbone for it. I'm not afraid of the attacks. I'm willing to stand up to the government. I'm willing to be jailed if that's, <laughs> if that's what it takes. I'm the perfect person. I need you to get on Twitter and tell Elon Musk Jason Whitlock should be the editor and the CEO of Twitter. I've been way ahead of the curve of all the mainstream media about what are the problems at Twitter, why its location in Northern California is part of the problem. I've been trying to explain to you all for several years now about Northern California and what's unique about that culture and how they're trying to impose that culture 
through the greatest propaganda tool in the history of the planet, Twitter, they're trying to impose that culture on the rest of the world. San Francisco is an S show. Anybody that's been there and seen it, people living on the street, people doing drugs on the street, people having sex on the streets, people masturbating and pissing and taking dumps on the street, people uh, afraid to go out at night in San Francisco. San Francisco is hell on earth. And they're trying to impose that on the rest of America. San Francisco is where all of these social experiments, all of the the Bay Area, Oakland, San Francisco is where all of this revolutionary America is the worst thing in the planet. Black people must rise up and embrace Marxism. Everybody must have an anything goes mentality as it relates to sex and drugs and everything else. That's why Paul Pelosi is playing hide the hammer while Nancy Pelosi's off doing work because that's how they roll in San Francisco. Some homeless Black Lives Matter, Matter operative is playing hide the hammer with the Speaker of the House's husband because that's how they roll in San Francisco. They want to impose that on the rest of the country, and Twitter is how they're doing it. I'm not some sort of prude. I'm not some sort of religious zealot that wants everybody to adopt my views and my practices. I'm just smart enough to realize that if you want a society that works for everybody, where everybody gets to enjoy freedom of speech, freedom of opportunity, you must have a culture that reflects and respects a biblical worldview. If you throw out God, you're throwing out freedom. You're throwing out opportunity. You're throwing out any chance of real happiness and fulfillment. If you throw out God, what you have are a bunch of people that, hey, whatever I feel, if I'm 38 and feel like I'm attracted to 12-year-olds, we need to legalize that. If I'm a man and feel like a woman, they better give me some surgery to make it happen. You want to put an end to that type of thinking. That worldview that has created the chaos that we've all been living under the last 10 years. You need someone like me to fix Twitter. I'm Jason Whitlock. I'll be back tomorrow. Merry Christmas and enjoy your Monday. This is the Glenn Beck Program.